Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, rugby fans, and welcome to episode 126 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. I'm your host. Got a good show lined up for everybody today. Excited to jump into it, and we'll jump into it the same way we do every week, and that's by starting off with the breakdown. Breakdown is brought to you by O'Neill's. O'Neill's is the official sportswear supplier to the biggest teams in world rugby, Infinity Park, and the American Raptors. Shop apparel now at O'Neill's.com. That's O-N-E-I-L-L-S.com. So we're going to start off by talking about some American Raptors stuff that just happened this week. Uh, I'm sure you all have probably seen by now, but the American Raptors announced on Tuesday that they hired friend of the program, Paul Emmerich, to be their next head coach. Paul earned 54 caps with the Eagles during his playing days, uh, played all over the world, all over Europe professionally, also made some appearances with the Sevens team as well. Before accepting the job as the head coach of the American Raptors, Paul was the skills and defense coach for the Houston Sabercats for the last four seasons in MLR. He's also the inter- interim head coach uh, for a five-match stretch there in 2019. Closed out the season, led the team to a 4-1 and one record. Uh, I love the move. He's one of the most successful examples of a crossover athlete. Um, in USA Rugby's 15s history, so it makes sense to get him involved with this crossover project, you know, for a, from the standpoint of a guy who lived it, right? He lived it, he did it himself. Um, he wrestled, played football up until college. In college, he played one year of football at University of Northern Iowa. Uh, didn't like it, decided to try rugby out, and the rest is kind of history. So he is like the, the perfect example of the person that the club needs to kind of help him take that next step, I think. Uh, everybody that's been involved so far has done a good job of pushing them in the right direction. And I think adding Paul to the staff as the head coach is only going to strengthen the staff and the team and just help them keep that momentum going and, and just help keep them going the right way, keep them going the way they're supposed to go. Uh, like I said, he's like, he is the, the, what you look for when you look for a crossover athlete, somebody that comes in, picks it up as quickly as he does, as successful as he was at it. Um, and I think if we're going down the list, he, he's one of the three or four guys that you would look to. Um, and number two right behind him, or even maybe in front of him, honestly, is Luke Gross, uh, who's also on staff as the defense coach for the Raptors. So you have two of the most successful crossover athletes in USA rugby history, 
uh, right in the building, working with all these guys, help coaching them up, telling them what it takes, you know, to go play in Europe, to go play uh, international rugby. Uh, I think it's a great move, and I'm excited to to see what he does with the team. He's been here for a couple of weeks, but uh, it's been kind of quiet, like I've been talking about. You know, I hinted at, at them making an announcement of, uh, in regarding to a coaching staff last week. Um, but like I said, players report on the first. Some of them are starting to trickle back in. So we'll, we'll really get a good look at what changes Paul makes and, and what he kind of does as he puts his stamp on the team here in two or three weeks. So I'm excited to see it. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, and I will, of course, update everybody as best I can as as we move through this transition period. So uh, in the, I guess on top of that, all, uh, you know, as we're talking about coaching changes, um, that means that Mark Bullock will move back into his director of rugby role full time. He was kind of wearing two hats to get this program off the ground over this last year. And I always forget to mute my computer. I'm sorry. And then on top of that, uh, Sarah Shabbat is promoted to the assistant head coaching role. She was the interim head coach uh, for the, the first week of the Uruguay tour. The whole time I was there, Sarah was running the show. Uh, she did a fantastic job, led the team to a 1-0 record, picked up a big victory over Uruguay A. Uh, so I'm excited to see what she does in her new role as well. That kind of does it for all the American Raptors news for the week. Like I talked about, there's still nothing really, you know, in terms of fixtures and stuff. Oh, I forgot to mention something for the second week in a row. Something I forgot to mention last week because I'm still dealing with a little bit of this COVID brain. I was at Raptors captain Tony Tupo, another friend of the program, decided to move on. He left the team, uh, moved back to Seattle to be with his family. I heard I have heard that he will be playing rugby somewhere in 2022, though. Um, I'm, I'm just obviously. You could probably put two and two together, but you're just going to wait until they announce it. Uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know Tawny during his year that he was here with the team. Really good guy. Uh, was the probably the most experienced NFL player on the team. I think he had four or five years in the NFL. Uh, real leader. Just a nice guy all around. Uh, and I'll miss seeing him every day, but I know he's going to rip it up wherever he goes um, crush whatever he does in life. So looking forward to, to seeing him do that. So... Uh, that does it now for all the American Raptors updates. Like I said, team will report back February 1st, so we're closing in about two weeks away now. And then I will, of course, update you on whatever I hear. Scheduling-wise, uh, there sounds like there's some cool stuff in the works, but again, going to wait until that becomes a little bit more concrete before I get on the microphone and start talking about it too much. So we'll move into the USA Rugby portion of the breakdown now. Uh, the LA Sevens has been moved August 27th to uh, 28th will now serve as the grand finale of the Men's World Rugby 7 Series. So that's kind of cool. Uh, the tournament becomes that much more important. Get some hardware at the end of it now. Um, it's change as a result of some logistical challenges caused by COVID. Again, I heard whispers of this over the last week or so. Uh, so I'm not really surprised to see the news come down because it's still so hard for several of the countries that are major players. And you know, this the World Rugby 7 Series still can't really travel freely. They're having a hard time getting around, you know, just what their government decides, you know, on how they handle COVID. So that makes it tough to run international rugby tournaments when a good chunk of your participants cannot make it. So hopefully, but moving uh, the LA7s back to August, things lighten up kind of like they did last summer. Hopefully, hopefully that's going to become like a cyclical thing uh, where, where summers are 
pretty light in terms of, you know, COVID infections and all that good stuff. Um, that's what we're going to count on. It is kind of a bummer for people that made plans already, booked travel and all that stuff. And I think personally, you know, especially coming from cold Colorado, probably go to uh, L.A. in March rather than L.A. in August. That sounds pretty hot. Uh, but hopefully the, the tournament can go on with as few hiccups as possible since they're moving it back to August. Um, and speaking of World Rugby 7 Series, that picks back up this weekend in Spain. We'll talk more about that and all the rugby you could watch this weekend. But this is your chance to see former Colorado XO and American Raptor David Still in action uh, with the USA Men's Eagles. Um, you can also catch this week's guest, Stephen Thomasine, as well. Uh, so make sure you tune into that. Like I said, we'll talk a little bit more about that and all the rugby you could watch this weekend. Right now we're going to close out the breakdown with some MLR stuff. Uh, things are starting to heat up a little bit. It's been, like I've been talking about, it's been pretty quiet on that front for the last couple of weeks. But as we get closer to the season, more and more stuff starts to happen, more and more stuff starts to come out. Um, and I, th I guess this weekend is your, your first opportunity to really see what teams are looking like. Uh, there's going to be a couple preseason fixtures. There's been a few that have been canceled, probably to nobody's surprise. But it looks like there are a few that are going to go. Old Glory DC, Toronto Arrows is the, the first one that kind of comes to mind. Um, but I don't think you can watch any of these. I don't think they're going to be broadcast anywhere. They might be, you know, streamed on Facebook or something. Um, I'll just have to keep our eyes peeled for that. And honestly, one of the most shocking things, you know, to happen, I think, dropped today on Thursday as I'm recording this podcast, um, was Rugby ATL's head coach and GM Scott Lawrence has resigned from his roles with the team, according to a report by Doug Coyle. Doug cited the passing of former owner Marcus Calloway and the change in ownership, you know, as the reason for the shakeup, which makes sense. Um, but that's an awfully large change to make right before the season, literally two weeks before the season. It's a bummer because, you know, from afar, Rugby ATL has always seemed like an organization that was has been trying to do things the right way. And, and you know, the transfer of ownership doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get away from that. Um, and, and I'm not connected to Rugby ATL at all. I don't know hardly anybody down there. I've never really talked to anybody about it. But just as a, you know, casual observer, a fan myself, looking from afar, it just seems like, you know, they, they were one of the teams that were trying to do it the right way, build their organization up, you know, from the ground up, build a solid foundation. Um, and then that's going to be a big hit, losing Scott Lawrence. So hopefully, you know, um, it's kind of the best for both parties and they go on to do great things. Obviously, keep our eyes peeled for where he lands. Uh, I think that's the only thing I wanted to talk about in terms of MLR stuff. This week, uh, obviously, when we get closer um, to the season, there'll be more stuff to talk about. I'm, I'm conjuring up a bunch of different ideas in my head to have a little bit more fun with MLR this season, not just be so cut and dry. So keep your eyes peeled for that, but we'll talk a little bit more about that in the loop, of course. For now, we'll transition into all of the rugby you could watch this weekend. Uh, like I mentioned in the breakdown, the HSBC World 7 Series starts up again this weekend for the USA men. Take on Spain on Friday at 5.34 a.m. Mountain Time. Take on Jamaica on Friday at 11.05 a.m. Mountain Time. And then Argentina on Saturday at 6 a.m. And then you move into playoff stuff. Uh, and then for the women's, they take on Canada on Friday very early in the morning at 1.44 a.m. And then they take on Poland at 7.12 a.m. You can catch the entire tournament on Peacock. Um, and then, of course, for the women, move into playoff stuff on Saturday and Sunday. Moving 
into the EPCR 2021. We've got Harlequins versus Olympique on Friday at 1 p.m. Bath versus Leinster on Saturday at 6 a.m. Toulouse versus Cardiff on Saturday at 6 a.m. Tigers versus Bordeaux Beagles on Saturday at 8 a.m. Ulster versus ASM Claremont on Saturday at 10.30 a.m. Scarlets versus Bristol Bears on Saturday at 10.30 a.m. Glasgow Warriors versus La Rochelle on Saturday at 1 p.m. On Sunday, we've got Sharks versus Ospreys at 6 a.m. Stade Francais versus Canock on Sunday at 6 a.m. Racing 92 versus Saints on Sunday at 8.15 a.m. Munster versus Wasps on Sunday at 8.15 a.m. Montpelier versus Exeter Chiefs on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. You can catch all of those matches on Peacock as well. Moving into United Rugby Championship, we've got Lions versus Sharks on Saturday at 6 a.m. and the Bulls versus Stormers on Saturday at 8.05 a.m. You can watch both of those matches on URC TV. Japan Rugby League 1, we've got Kobe Steelers versus Spears on Saturday at 10.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Got Shining Arcs for Screen Rockets on Saturday at 10.30 p.m. as well. Catch both of those matches on the Rugby Network as they continue to show two matches from that competition a week for free, which is nice. We've got the Allianz Premier 15s. Uh, last but certainly not least, we have Wasps FC Ladies versus Labra Lightning on Saturday at 6.30 a.m. Sale Sharks Women versus Saracens Women on Saturday at 7.30 a.m. Then DMP Durham Sharks versus Worcester Warriors Women on Saturday at 8 a.m. Watch all three of those matches on Premier15s.com. That's 15s.com. I think that does it for all the rugby you can watch this weekend. Like I mentioned, uh, there are some MLR fixtures and all that good stuff, but I don't think you can watch any. So if, if you can and I missed it, tweet me, let me know. Uh, share with me how you can watch some of these matches because I you know, wasn't, wasn't finding any information on that. So... Moving to the interview portion of the show, this interview with Stephen Thomasine is brought to you by Guard Lab. Join the mouthguard revolution with American-made mouthguards that perform, protect, and recover. For more information, visit guardlab.com. First of all, shout out to my guy Connor Hewlett for helping making this interview happen. Um, I've been trying to get Stephen on the show since the Olympics. Back when we were doing all the snake drafts, I really wanted to do a video game one. We both got super busy. Obviously, Stephen's at the Olympics. Um, tough to do stuff there. I was shooting for after the Olympics, of course. Um, and Steven's always been very open to coming on the show. Just, you know, it's hard to line up schedules and stuff. And especially when you're an international rugby player and you're all over the world, um, it's a lot easier for me, much harder for Steven. But we, we finally did get something hammered out, which I'm glad we did. Uh, things slowed down around the holidays. I had the chance to chat with Steven around Christmas time, just talk about his experience at the Olympics and, you know, playing sevens rugby and, we did get some video game talking. Thank goodness. That's what I wanted him on the first place for. But I thought it went really well. I, I very much enjoyed talking to Steven. Um, he was a really nice guy. Looking forward to doing some more stuff with him in the future, hopefully. Um, so with that introduction, I hope you all enjoy this conversation with USA Eagle and Olympian Steven Thomasine. All right. Now, welcome on to the show. A very special guest. We have USA Men's Sevens Eagle and Olympian Steven Thomasine. Steven, how's it going, man? Yeah, doing pretty well. Uh, thanks for having me on. Really excited for this. Yeah, man. Thank you for joining me. I know we've been trying to get this one worked out for a while now, so I'm happy we finally pinned it down. So uh, first question I ask everybody that comes on the show, Stephen, can you just tell me a little bit about where you're from? Okay, so I'm originally from Santa Rosa, California. It's about an hour, probably about an hour north of uh, San Francisco. Um, big, a lot of people know of it 
because uh, it's in Sonoma County, which is a big wine, kind of a big wine area uh-huh. in, in California, especially, and even in the United States. But um, yeah, it's where I'm from. I grew up here, um, spent yeah, my whole life until I graduated high school up here and really enjoyed it. Sounds like a, a nice place to live. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. It's really, it's really pretty. I, uh, I love San Diego and that's where I live now, but uh-huh. uh, I, I do miss it quite, quite a bit up here when I do come home. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, so Stephen, how'd you get into rugby? So my uncle is the one who started it for my family. Uh, he played at UC Davis back in the eighties and then played for Santa Rosa rugby club. And after he was done playing there, he, uh, was on the board and I think actually is still on the board and whatnot now. Um, but he has three sons, obviously my, my three cousins mm-hmm. and they all played growing up. And I just like the youngest one, uh, is my age. So we grew up around each other a lot and my family was always putting on rugby camps uh whatnot when we were younger so we used to go to those for fun a bit and then um as i got older i got into baseball which baseball in northern california runs during the same season as uh rugby at least at the high school level uh-huh. and so in high school i didn't play much because i was playing baseball and then my senior year of high school i quit playing baseball mm-hmm. and then I thought I was going to get a football scholarship somewhere. So I quit baseball to kind of focus on that. Well, that didn't come. And so my cousin just had been playing for the high school team and we went to high school together. Uh, me and me and my cousin, who is my uncle's son. And, and so he, our senior year asked me to come out to the team and just play in this, you know, this opening season tournament uh, in Sacramento. And so I, I did. And yeah, I, I've been playing, all the time ever since. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, yeah. Steven, I don't know how much you know, but like I spent a lot of time around this, you know, Colorado XO American Raptors. So I'm talking to crossover athletes quite a bit. And this was a question I asked Caleb Geiger. I think he's going to play for uh, Rugby United New York next season. But he was a baseball player. He played baseball at Concordia University, Nebraska, uh, and he played one season of football in college too. So, how is how is baseball like rugby? Do you think it is at all? Oh, good question. Um, I definitely think it's more like football than it is like baseball. Right, for um, sure. Baseball is just such a unique sport. Mm-hmm. I, it's really hard for me to compare rugby to baseball. Um, yeah. And I loved I loved baseball. It was my favorite sport all the way growing up. Um, what position did you play? I played I played catcher most of my life. Okay. Um, I, I caught and played third, but I mostly caught. Um, I think you, I think like, so here's some of the things that I've kind of like picked out, right? Like you have your, your lateral movement. And I guess like, while you know, when you watch baseball, they're not running as much as you do, like, you know, in, in a sevens match or something, but every time that you have to run in baseball, it's, you're on a dead sprint, right? Like there's no real warm up, you know, jog to go get, like if you're going to, you know, make a play on the ball in the outfield or in the infield, like you, you got this like the lateral movement, you're diving, it's very explosive, um, so I think that's some of the similarities. Yeah, I think I definitely think that's skill that crosses over. I'm, I, yeah, in baseball there's a lot of quick twitch, um, mm-hmm. reactionary movements, and you do get those in rugby. So I definitely, in terms of sports being alike, I don't think there's much, yeah. like in terms of how they're alike, but there are a lot of skills that you can take right. from one to the other. Um, yeah. I mean the. Uh, like in baseball, it's obviously very high pressure because you're it's very focused. Let's say you're batting, it's very high pressure. And I guess the same like same kind of situations come in rugby with like kicking at poles. Yeah. Um, 
and in some other aspects where you know the focus is is on you and you're expected to kind of perform at a pretty high level um but yeah i mean baseball is is unique in its own in terms of the mental part of the game that is very in in baseball the mental part of the game is is so much more predicated to yourself and in terms of like an individual and making plays and and hitting the ball and in rugby you're so although baseball is a team sport you're so much more reliant on your teammates in rugby right Um, and and it's and i guess in the aspect like everybody on the team and both has their you know their part and their skill that they add to the team um which i is is you know why sport is so great in its own right but you know i I think the mental side of of rugby comes with the fitness especially with sevens i think once the fitness levels start to to raise i think that's when like the mental game really starts to be played yeah i didn't even think about that that's a good point honestly because i know when i was in high school um part of when i played football like I, i place kick a little bit right and i remember like thinking to myself then that, that was such a unique position in, in a way because you're right, it is such a team sport and you think about baseball, but a lot of it's you versus yourself, right? It's you not getting in your own head and just doing what you've been practicing doing and succeeding at it. Um, and that's something I, I would think about in high school, but that's something I didn't even think about right now. That's a good point. So I know that's a little bit yeah. different of a question, but I wanted to ask you when I, I read up on you and saw that you played some baseball. Uh, so, no, it's good. I'm, I'm glad you asked. It made me think as well kind yeah. of what – the similarities and differences are between the two. That's good to hear. That's a goal. <laughs> uh, when, when I guess when was rugby, you know, something that you, you decided you wanted to seriously pursue then? It was, it was right when I started playing competitively in high school. Like really like the first, I'd probably say probably three months into playing my senior season. I like knew that that was the path that I was going to go. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I had, I had had some like walk on spots uh, for football yeah. in different places. And so I was still contemplating those, but when rugby kind of started to take over my life, really, um, I, I realized that there was something, you know, like there was something there end goal that was appealing to me. And that was right when uh, rugby had been put into the Olympics. Yeah. And so, you know, that became a huge motivator. Um, and just like made me realize that there was something kind of, you know, end game with rugby. And, right. and I started to look more into it and just started to watch it more as well. Um, but yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty quick. My senior year, we went to the national championships and played uh, in those nice. for high school. And then uh, we got to watch the college final as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a pretty cool moment for me where I realized like, okay, like the, you know, there's like, this is bigger than I thought it was. And right. not only bigger than I thought it was, but there was, you know, more long-term stuff that I could accomplish than what I even realized. And for me with football at the time, I, I, you know, I knew that the end of the road wasn't too far away. And so I knew yeah. I could take rugby further and long and play it longer than I could with any other sport at that time. So that's kind of where that came from for me. That's cool. I, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I can, I can, you know, picture that. It's kind of how it was for me too. Obviously didn't play uh, rugby quite as long as you, but it was like, you know, same thing. I could see football kind of ending for me after high school, um, decided to, to give rugby a try and, uh, I'm still I'm still involved in it somewhere or another, which is good, I guess. So, <laughs> I gotta dig yeah, in. I mean that's one of the beauties of rugby is that even 
you know, once you stop playing, there's there seems to be numerous kind of what would you say paths you can go down yeah. to stay For like sure. a part of the family and and to help out and um, I guess continue to grow the environment that like all of us that have played it really enjoy. For sure, yeah, I guess that's kind of what it's transformed into. Uh, Steven, yeah. do you remember like the moment that you realized rugby was fun? I like to ask like you know rugby people this question because I feel like they usually have a a specific like pinpoint moment. Oh, good question. When rugby was fun. Yeah, like um, was it in a training? Was it in a match when I don't know, I like I said I was just talking to Caleb a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about his first when he realized like he was hooked when he caught the bug. Uh they were playing some match and he he successfully jackled the ball and he's like I just got so pumped and I knew everybody else was fired up and that's when I was like, man, this is this is fun. I like this. Yeah, I think there was a a moment. I mean, I always had fun playing rugby, but there was a moment when I was at San Diego State um, mm -hmm. my freshman year, and it was the beginning of my fre freshman uh, semester, and we were is in Southern California, maybe all of California, like seven seasons during the fall. Yeah. So um, it was like my first semester on campus, and our sevens team when I was at San Diego State was actually quite good. And so we were we were playing in a tournament in Santa Barbara, and and the level of competition kind of kicked up, obviously, quite a bit from yeah. high school when I got to San Diego State. And we were playing some good teams, and we we were we beat a team, um, we beat Long Beach State, I think, in the semifinal, and because I remember the game, and and that was when I realized, like, because it was a tough game as well, like that's when I yeah. realized, like, all right, this is really fun, <laughs> um, like playing higher level stuff than what I had been playing you know, in the short amount of time, I'd only been playing six months at that point, but then I was starting to play like higher level stuff that made the competitive part of it, like really got me going. And that's when right. I was like, all right, this is, this is really fun. I I'd like say it. that's probably like a, a, like a good moment, Yeah. but you know, that's like, like rugby is fun <laughs> no matter what, <laughs> right. right? Like whether you're playing touch or like you're having fun at training, whether it's social or like at the national level, um, and that's, you know, I mean, that's why I keep right. like, waking up every morning excited to play more because it is, it is fun. Yeah. Um, it can be stressful at times, but it's always fun. That's good. And that's, there's no use in doing anything you're not enjoying. So that's a good answer. Um, and then I guess maybe I'm, ju I'm jumping a little bit ahead of myself here, Steven, but do you have a favorite rugby memory? I like asking this question too, because it could be literally anything. Like I've talked to people that have said, oh, you know, People that have played in World Cups have said, oh, my favorite rugby memory was like my high school state championship game or, you know, winning yeah. this, this club competition or something like that. So does, is there a memory that kind of sticks out in your mind? I'm about to ask you about the Olympics, too. So maybe, I, like I said, maybe I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit here. I, I like probably one of my most cherished memories is uh, playing in the 2018 World Cup because uh, I was in San Francisco in Giants Stadium where yeah. I went to baseball games growing up a lot of the time. And so being able to play like 45 minutes away from my hometown in a World Cup was pretty special. And like getting, like I said, like getting to run onto the field that I grew up watching games at. Uh -huh. um, that was probably, that was probably like one of the highlights of my, if not other than the Olympics, like the highlight of my career. Um, yeah. And and it was a pretty special pretty special weekend for me. I mean, we we kind of under performed. We finished sixth in that one, but um, just from in terms of having all my family there and 
um, it being such a legendary baseball stadium as yeah. well, right there on the water. I mean, I, and it was packed out. Like it was just such an incredible weekend overall. I remember watching that on TV. It just looked like beautiful too. Like it was nice weather and, you know, just like yeah. the way that it looked on TV was, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, they did a great job with that event. So yeah, I'm all of, uh, all of my friends that have been to giants games, packed out giants games. And that said, that was pretty loud compared to a Giants game. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Too. That is cool. Uh, so like I said, I was about to ask you about the Olympics. So here, here I go. So I got a couple of questions about the Olympics, Stephen. So I guess it's like, how did you, you know, how did you know that you made the team? Was it in the letter, like from those videos? Was that how that all worked? Um, so that was afterwards. Uh -huh. uh, we did that a few days after the selections came out, but it came out by email. That's how our selections always come out for tournaments is, you know, coach says emails coming out at this time on this day. Uh -huh. um, and then... So, you know, you wait, you wait for the email to come through. Um, obviously, like when when you're not making teams consistently, those emails can be pretty, yeah, like gr grueling to wait for. Because I've been in, I was in that situation for uh, a few years there, for sure. Um, in in my early years with the national team, and so you know, even for me, who I've been a part of the team pretty consistently over the last five years, it, it was really nerve wracking for me. Right. I, it it had. Been, I mean, you know, there's always there's always like that tiny bit of doubt that plays in your mind, but it's also something that you know I've personally been waiting for for, you know, basically eight years. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, it was a long, it was a lot of, you know, it was a long journey coming to one kind of decision. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like that, whether I make whether you make the Olympic team or not does not define your rugby career, but. Um, you know, when you've been working for it for a long time, it it uh it, it comes it comes like uh becomes a stressful time no matter for what. For sure. But that was how we found out. We found out. I think it was on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm, I, I can't remember for sure, but it came out by email in the afternoon, and um, a few of us, a few of us on the team, had gone out for lunch and drinks just to kind of like lighten the mood and yeah. Uh, <laughs> spent some time together before it came out. And so we were actually out when the selections came out. Um, and then we all, uh, it got quite emotional. So we all kind of went our separate ways and went to go, you know, yeah. just spend some time alone. But, uh, yeah, it's, it was an amazing moment um, That's awesome, for man. so many, for so many other, other guys as well, who had waited a long time and some who got their second shot at it. Yeah. That's awesome. Man. So I know, uh, you narrowly missed out on the, the Rio selection, correct? Yeah. So, so I guess my question is like with COVID, right? Like COVID made it a little bit longer because it pushed it back a year. Was that good or bad? Was that, was that kind of like you, you trained for four years and then, you know, the word comes down that the Olympics are getting postponed. Like, was that, how hard was that, I guess, to like keep training or, or like, did you get what I'm asking here? Was that good or bad? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it, I think it depends on who you talk to, whether it was good or bad, you know, some guys like, yeah, a couple of guys who had some pretty major injuries before the Olympics yeah. that if it would have gone through, would have had no opportunity to play. Um, and so it, obviously getting pushed back here helped them a lot for me personally. I, I would say it was more bad for me mentally than yeah. it was good. Um, like I was healthy and in a good place and um, you know, I'd obviously been waiting for it. So I was pretty excited for it to come. And then not only just to have it, 
Well, because we remember, I don't know if you remember, but it was like every day there was a new article coming out saying like if the Olympics was going to get oh, postponed yeah. or if it was going to get canceled. So yeah, even leading we up to riding... 2020, 2021, I mean, right? Like even like all the way through this one, right? Yeah, it was changing all the time. Basically all the time. So there, there was, we were dealing with you know, the constant like media push of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then we obviously went into lockdown, which when you're, I guess when you're training so hard and we were only like four months out at that point, when yeah. you're training so hard and then it all, it all like goes, you know, goes to nothing that quickly in terms of it. Once we knew it had gotten pushed back the year, yeah, it, it was a weird, it was a weird position to be in because I, you know, I, I almost wanted to keep training, but then I knew it was a year away. Yeah. So you know, I wanted to give myself a little bit of rest as well so that I could start to gear up to go for another push again. Yeah. Um, but that was, I mean, that was a tough part at the beginning, but it was just tough mentally for me uh, having to push it back year because, you know, you don't know, you don't know if you're going to, something could happen in training in the year leading sure. up to it. And that's all stuff that, you know, you try and silence in your head as much as possible. Um but when it just because it was so close and we were so ready to go, it felt like, um, and then to have it, have it pushed back was tough. But, um, you know, in the end, I think for our team overall, I think it was probably a good thing because mm-hmm. um, we had dealt with some, we had been dealing with some pretty unfortunate injuries. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think that really it's each their own in, in that in those terms because uh, I think some people really benefited from it. And, you know, yeah. that that's something that's obviously really good for a team as well. I know. I just don't, I think that's something that people don't really think about because like me, I have no shot to be in the Olympics, but you know, when you look at you guys, like that's a whole different, you know, problem that we didn't even think about. It was like, you've been working so hard for these last four or five years. And then, you know, it just gets flipped on its head like that. So while everybody was dealing with a little bit different of a situation, that one was very unique. So I wanted to make sure I asked you about that. Um, yeah. So I guess what was it like to make your debut? Could you describe that feeling, like when you did run out on the Olympics? Uh, for the yeah, the Olympic debut, I was I've told a couple people this, but I was actually less nervous for the Olympics than I was for like maybe any tournament ever. Wow. Um, and I think it was just because it had been I'd been waiting for it so long that like I was so ready for it to be there that yeah that I I wasn't as nervous I. Had, and I really prepared really hard for the Olympics. So from a preparation standpoint of like not only my body, but like my mind and, and kind of what we were doing against other teams, I was in a really good place. Uh-huh. But that was, it was, it was really cool because when you run out at the Olympics, you could like see the, the rings. And so that was, that yeah. was pretty cool. Like it just, it became a reality as soon as you step on the field. Um, so that, I mean, it's just, it's an experience, you know, and a feeling that I'll never, i never forget. Running out for every game, I remember. I it's, remember yeah. running out for every game in the Olympics. And it was obviously very weird not having fans because, you know, you run out usually and there's like a buzz right. that comes from the fans of your team or other teams or teams that want you to beat a certain team or whatever. Um, and so not having that was weird, but it almost made it things, it made the Olympics more personal, which mm-hmm. I think is why the quality was so good is, is a lot of sometimes people 
can like feed off the crowd and whatnot. Sure, but yeah. in the Olympics, there was no one there, so you really had to create the you really had to create the yeah. energy yourself. And it really made things, it made the game so intense, which was awesome. You know, like that's how you want it to be. That's super um, interesting. I didn't even so, know. Yeah, that's something I never even thought about. Yeah, so that was a pretty, It's. It, I'd obviously rather have fans there every day of the week because it's, you know, it's special in yeah. rugby to have packed out stadiums. But, um, you know, that, especially for that tournament as well, like mm-hmm. how, just how everything went down for it. Um, but yeah, running out that first time was was really really special. That's awesome, man. So I had Cody Melfi on a couple. I think I had him on end of September. Um, okay. And he was talking about you know that just because of the rules, like things were a little bit different, so you wouldn't get to enjoy some of the things that you usually would at the Olympics. Um, but he did say that he he did get to do a little bit of things, right? Like you could go watch some of the other sports compete. I think once your sport was over or something like that. So uh, is there is there anything that you'll remember most about the Olympic experience? I would so what I'll remember about the most is the like just the aura that filled the Olympic village. Mm-hmm. I mean that was that was something that I can like really have told a lot of people about, but it's hard to explain. There was just an aura in the air when you were in the Olympic village, whether you, it was just when you were in your building, which Team USA had their own building, or when you're just walking to get food or you're walking to the gift shop or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It was just everywhere you looked, you were surrounded by, you know, the most elite athletes in their discipline. Yeah. And so there was, and everyone there was, you know, there for the same reason to compete and win. So everyone was focused and respectful and really happy and nice. Um, and there was just a, like a great, great aura about that place. Um, that I'll, that is something that I like think was really unique about it. Um, and I didn't really know it was going to be like that. Maybe it's not like that for everybody, but that's yeah. something that I really noticed. That's cool. Did you get to meet anybody super famous? Uh, yeah, a few of the basketball players. When nice. we did the op- when we did the opening ceremonies, we uh, all of Team USA was together, and and they were not only the men's but the women's basketball players as, as well. They were yeah. all really cool um, and easy to talk to, and quite you know open to uh to talking which obviously they're probably the most popular people there <laughs> so yeah um it would be easy for them to kind of keep their distance but they they were not that way at all they were really cool nice and, and really fun to talk to that is cool how were the beds i know there was a lot of talk about the beds it's like cody <laughs> melfi jumping on the beds it looked okay to me yeah there was that became that became like the <laughs> uh, the the story of the olympics yeah. i feel like um but the beds were fine for me personally, um, but I'm like five, you know, I'm like five, nine, yeah. uh, 195 pounds. You know, I'm not like jo- Danny Barrett or Joe Schroeder, it's like <laughs> six, four, six, six, yeah. you know, 240 pounds. Um, so for me, they weren't the worst. A lot of people thought that that was like a COVID thing that they put those in for, but it was like the plan the whole time. So right. I, someone wrapped up the COVID part into it, which wasn't true, but you know, they were sturdy. I think, I think, like, you know, a bunch of people, uh, Cody and other people put out TikToks and stuff yeah. of them, like, jumping on it and whatnot. So they were sturdy. But yeah. For me, for me, I actually slept great. And I don't know if it was uh, the beds themselves or a combo of, like, me being so excited to be there <laughs> that I, I really wasn't worried about anything. But, uh, 
yeah, I I had no problems with them, but some some of the other guys uh, that were a bit taller, like I don't, there's no way the basketball players. Yeah, well, that's what I was really, gonna ask because didn't at Rio didn't they stay on like their own like yacht or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I wonder what they're we, we got to get them on and talk about that. I guess. Uh, questions yeah, for I think they, so. They had their own they had their own hotel in Tokyo. Um, okay, they stayed at, but you know, like there's no way like them. <laughs> They would have fit on those beds or have wanted have wanted to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. Uh, and I guess like I, I did. I guess I did see a couple of videos of people like jumping and they would break their bed. But in fairness, like if I jumped on, if I was trying to break my bed, I could do it too. My bed's not made of cardboard or whatever. It's pretty. Yeah, easy. exactly, exactly. <laughs> you could break. You could break it if you want. If I really wanted um, to, I could. Uh, but no, it wasn't that bad. That's good. All right, Stephen. I got a couple of video game questions to ask you, and then I'll let you go, yep. man. So. Uh, originally, like when I reached out to you about doing this, I was doing these snake drafts, like leading up to the Olympics. So, like this 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 media company, we do this podcast through DMVR. There's a Broncos, there's a Rockies, there's a Nuggets. So I was getting guys from each of those beats on. I was talking to them, and I was building like sevens teams out of like all time great Broncos and all time great Nuggets and stuff. So uh, I originally reached out to you because I wanted to do that with you about video games, but. You know, obviously things uh, kind of didn't work out, but I still did build a video game sevens team. If you'd like to hear it, I'd like you to grade it. Uh, this is in no particular order, so feel free to rip okay, me apart yeah. and include whoever I left out. So I'm going to start off. Okay, yeah, go for it. All right, starting off, we got Donkey Kong. I know he's kind of big, but he's a gorilla. I think gorillas move pretty quickly, um, even if we just have Donkey Kong on our team just for carries. I know he might be kind of a little bit of a defensive liability because he might be a little bit slower than some of the other uh, people and video game characters we have, I think he'd be a good addition. Um, I think Pac-Man would be sneaky good because that's, you know, he's all about evading. He's very evasive. Okay. Um, and then, you know, when the time is right, he he attacks those ghosts. So he, that's good for the defense. I've got Sonic, obviously, because he's fast. Um, yep. Kratos, I think Kratos would be good. He's built, he's got the build for it. I think the fitness might be there too. This one, I, I kind of went a little bit outside the box, I guess. I have Michael Vick from Madden 2004 <laughs> <laughs> because you couldn't tackle him. He was just way too fast. I, I guess that, does, I mean, that counts as a video game yeah. character. And, and so I think Michael Vick, if we played him a little rugby, he might be pretty good too, just like actual Michael Vick in real life back in the day. Uh, and then I closed it out with two, um, two Mortal Kombat characters. I think that Sub-Zero and Scorpion would probably be good additions. He got like... Scorpion with that like chain hook thing. So if anyone got away, he could just, you know, hook them back and then, you know, Sub-Zero, you could freeze people. So I think that would be good okay. for, for fens and for tackles. Yeah, that's, see, that's a quality team. I love the Michael Vick <laughs> pick. Uh, Pac-Man, Pac-Man was, not, I didn't expect that one. I expected yeah. Donkey Kong and he came. Yes. I thought Sonic would be in there too, uh, but I didn't get the Pac-Man one. I think that would... That's a pretty good one. Yeah, I, I kind of went outside the box for that one, the Michael Vick one, but that's what you have to do in these, you know. You got to think a little bit. Yeah, I think I think I think I could throw in like Mario or Luigi just because uh-huh. they have good jumping ability. Uh, and they can shoot how fire. Big they are right, like um, shooting off fireballs and stuff is probably helpful. Yeah, that's yeah, that'd be pretty beneficial. Um, but I just think for their jumping ability, it would be good on the sevens on the sevens field. Yeah. Um, you know, if I think Kratos brings some good some good leadership. I mean, obviously we could throw in Master Chief in there, just yes. a solid all around game. Uh, <laughs> you know, kills kills aliens, fights spaceships. Um, uh, you know, I think that that he brings some some good leadership. Everyone seems to be scared of him, so um, 
Uh, you know, that could be a good yeah. one as well. And I probably, probably put Ash Ketchum as my head coach. Okay. Uh, you know, obviously he's used to, he's used to uh, managing teams. Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe he has a little bit of, uh, a little bit of experience in there, but no, I yeah. think your team overall is, is pretty good. It's funny. I think it'd be cool to like do like let more people fill out their teams without knowing kind of what you pick. Cause I would be <laughs> interesting to see what kind of what different, with different combinations people put together uh, okay. that are actually gamers i guess we uh, we can I'll, I'll work on that we have a gaming center okay. at the nvr uh, I'll, I'll work on that for you so before this yeah, podcast yeah, yeah, goes I'll... out i guess a couple weeks we'll get that done <laughs> okay okay i'm in i mean right. that's something i the whole i get everybody on my team to do the game oh, love it let's do it then man that sounds like a great yeah. idea um i think too honorable mention i think diddy kong would kind of be sneaky good too Ooh. because like yeah he's got like the you know the strength and of a, of a, of a monkey, right? Like monkey's muscles are like corded steel, so he's got that going for him. He's a little bit smaller, so he might be a little bit more elusive and, and quicker. Um, so he he was an honorable mention. He could be, you know, first guy off the bench. He's a finisher. Yeah, I, yeah. There you go for creating a bench. <laughs> throw him in there. Yes. All right, man. Uh, I get. I do want to ask you about streaming though. So how'd you get into streaming? Um. When, I don't know if you remember, but the Ninja, the streamer, yeah, yeah. Uh, did a Fortnite stream with Drake and like Travis Scott, which is kind of where everything started to go crazy. Yeah. Um, for streaming, and so I thought that was really cool. I was like, man, people were actually doing, like actually playing video games and like making money off of it, and um, I just thought it was a really kind of cool part of gaming that hadn't hadn't really blown up yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I wanted to do it for a while, and then it wasn't until covid that once covid happened and you know i really yeah. like we were shut down and that's all you could uh, do i was like working i was working out in the morning and then you know we were all stuck at home trying like no one knew anything at that point i mean kind of still nobody yeah. kind of really knows anything <laughs> i know but, so it's stumbling through so. <laughs> um but you know i started to stream um and you know they, i probably wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for covid i started to have a lot of fun with it and i was playing call of duty and fortnite and stuff uh, and then I started to do these rugby rewatch streams where I would watch back old tournaments with fans, whoever wanted to come and watch and mm-hmm. like break, break specific stuff down so they could kind of see what I was reading uh, during that moment. And you know, I explained how different teams like to play and how we like to play against different teams and, um, and all this stuff. And so those kind of became uh, a really cool part yeah. of my streaming. And, and I haven't streamed as much, since we got back to training, which would have been kind of like October, November of last year. Yeah. Um, just cause it's really difficult to do, to do both and enjoy both of them. But, um, I'm, I want to get back into doing them a little bit more frequently, but it's a really, I mean, it was a really cool way for me to connect with fans that I had never, uh, right. like been able to experience before. It's one thing when people, you know, are DMing me on Instagram or something like that. And I can, I try to reply to as many as I can and then it when streaming it was so much easier to converse with people because I was able obviously able to talk they were able to to type in questions and whatnot yeah. like that so I was just way more conversing and, and I became pretty close with several people that uh, came into my stream to watch me play and hang out and stuff like that and I think it's pretty it was just a it was just a really cool way for me to to interact with people that I hadn't that I hadn't gotten before, um, which yeah. is one of the reasons why I miss doing it. So I want yeah. to do it more again. 
That's awesome, man. We've got to see you back on. What do you like to play? You've been mainly playing Warzone, or? Uh, I haven't been playing Warzone. So there's this game called Escape from Tarkov. Okay. Um, it, it's a computer game, but it's like a hyper-realistic first-person like survival game. Uh-huh. Um, and that's I've I that's kind of what I've been playing for the last year or so. And I haven't I haven't been playing too much video games over the last year just how busy rugby has been yeah. but when i do play that's been the one that i've been playing mostly i just can't stop playing it oh, uh, there's nothing else that, that makes me want to play uh and more than that but it's uh it's a pretty fun game so when i get back in stream that's probably what i'll play all right uh, i'll have to check it back. out yeah all right steven that's all the questions i had for you man this was fun i usually leave this last part open if you want to you know shout out socials or, or your twitch stream or whatever feel free uh yeah sure my my socials are scuba steve uh, underscore zero nine um and i think that my that my twitch name is the same um but yeah i mean thank you for having me it's it's really cool to be able to do these interviews um with people who have played rugby and and even those who haven't uh, i really enjoy it so yeah thank you for having me on yeah man thank you steven have a good one awesome bro thank you all right, I hope everyone enjoyed that conversation with USA Eagle and Olympian Stephen Thomasine. No, I certainly did. Thanks so much to Stephen for taking some time to chat with me. Really appreciate it. I want people to send in, like we were doing with the graphics. Didn't have time to make a graphic for this one, but if you had to build a, a sevens, you know, rugby team out of video game players, I, I would like to hear it. I know Steve and I talked about we got to do something. I got to get something together so he can pass this out to his teammates and see kind of what they say. Still have some time to do that. Oh, that was a lot of fun. Hope everybody enjoyed that. Now we'll go ahead and transition over to the required reading portion of the show. I'm assigning you my own piece this week, everybody. I've been talking about this piece for for weeks. I've been working on this piece for months. Finally came out. I'm proud of it. I'm happy to see it doing well so far. People seem to be enjoying it. So the required reading this week is my piece entitled The Lateral, What Rugby Attacking Concepts Ever Be Fully Adopted in the Game of Football. So like I said, I've been working on this piece since October, and I'll kind of explain my thought process how kind of it all came together. Uh, and I've seen a lot of people say, like, uh, a few people online have already come to me and said, you took PFT commenter's idea. And I thought I made it very clear in the in the piece that the idea to write this piece came from a question that he asked Lane Kiffin a few years ago on Pardon My Take about the same topic. Like, he planned the seed. He's been the one. He's been the driving force. He's been banging the drum for a couple of years now. Uh, and, I, you know, kind of like based on my situation, right, I'm around these crossover guys all the time. I'm around all these fo- these former high-level football players that are transitioning into professional rugby. So, you know, I've been watching a lot of football. The NFL has – it was kind of lost its appeal to me the last few years, but this year I've been, like, all into it. I can't get enough. Uh, watch, I've watched more games ever – I mean, I've probably watched more games than, like, at the peak of my football fandom when I'm in, you know, seventh or eighth grade. I probably watched the same amount of games – um, and, and this year particularly, I've noticed like there's been a lot more laterals, whether it be like a change of possession was like a fumble or an interception or something like te- guys were catching the ball, you know, trying not to get tackled and like offloading it looked like a rugby play. And it just kind of made me think like PFT has been asking these questions on this podcast for a while now. The first instance I heard of it was when he asked Lane Kiffin a few years ago. Um, and so just kind of kicked up all you know, this idea in my brain um, and I started to ask around you know some of these guys on the on the Raptors team and what they kind of thought of it because they have a unique perspective now that they've played you know D1 SEC 
you know, power five college football. Some of them played in the NFL um, and now they're playing rugby and they're starting to see like how it could how it could work. So I thought they had a unique perspective. And then, you know, from there, I wanted to find as many football people as I could and ask them the same question. And I was kind of trying to find football people that weren't too familiar with rugby. Um, and, and most of the people I talked to for the story weren't very familiar with rugby, which is good because I wanted to see just kind of like from a football specific mind what they thought about this idea and if they thought that it could ever work from these people that have been around the game of football for their whole life um if they could see a world in which this would happen i went into it like on i understand the risk right like and i try to do lay this out in the story too i don't think you should ever go into a football game i don't think you should ever open up a a game with this right you shouldn't you shouldn't do this unless you need to uh, but my whole idea was there are times in a football game where this would benefit you more than throwing a Hail Mary, right? If you're pinned, if you're on the, the minus side of the field, like I think is what the football people call it, right? If you're on your own territory, you're on your side of 50, and you need to score a touchdown or move the ball quickly down the field, it seems like throwing a higher percentage pass, a shorter pass to a playmaker, and then running some sort of, you know, set like play off it, like you would in a rugby back line, um, it just seems like that would work better than hucking a ball down the field and just hoping that your team catches it because you're putting the ball in the hands of a playmaker who could then, you know, use the ball to confuse a defense or catch them flat-footed or something like that. You're at least giving yourself a chance to make a play, um, and you're you, you're doing it in a way where defenders would probably wouldn't see it coming, right? They don't prepare for that type of stuff. So I went into it with that mindset, and I was surprised to learn – you know, from the football people that I talked to is like, they, they came into it with an open mind. I, I fully expected to go into these conversations. Some of these football coaches that I talked to and them just shut it down immediately. Like, yeah, that would never work. No, but ball security is too important, which I, you know, I went in knowing that too. Um, but I was surprised to hear that they were open to it. They, they thought, you know, they, they know better than anybody that football is an ever evolving sport. Offenses change every year. Um, and it's super trendy, like football offenses run whatever's working at the at the moment. That's why you've seen a transition from super heavy stuff to triple option stuff now to, you know, some spread stuff to the RPO stuff. And and this very well could be the next, you know, iteration of football offenses. Um, and it was kind of cool to hear football people tell me that without having to pull too hard. Um, so, like I said, I kind of I go into it knowing like this is not a sustainable thing to run every single play. But if you did this once or twice a game and you could have success with it and you prove that, you know, running this play where in a situation where a Hail Mary is only going to hit 20 percent of the time, this play hits 60 percent of the time. You know, that those are numbers that football coaches lean towards. And uh, just an interesting piece all around, like I said. Um, I reached out to a lot of different football people. I heard I had some promising things from some colleges around here, um, but ultimately fell through, which is why it took so long, which is why I, I made people wait so long. Uh, but you know, it was really fun to write. It was really fun to work on. Uh, I'm really liking you know, just seeing people break it down and discuss it and give me what they think and how they would do things. It was cool to see PFT shared it. Um, if you watch the games this weekend, Dallas actually ran, the Dallas Cowboys ran two lateral plays, one in the first quarter that didn't work very well. Look, like the design was there, the execution wasn't. Um, and then they ran one play on the final drive that was like literally just like a switch. Like it was a, a deep drag, I think, to CeeDee Lamb, who, who, you know, gave the ball to Amari Cooper, who was like trailing behind him. 
ran up the sideline, I think who it was. Uh, so, so you could see like people are starting to, to do it more. And like I said, I found, you know, a good, probably 10, 12 instances of it in the NFL this year. I tracked down all the clips watching football became like a chore because I was always watching for laterals. And if it would happen, I'd go find the play online and I'd bookmark it. But it was really fun to work on. It was, I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad to see it doing well. I'm glad to see people reading it, enjoying it, breaking it down, tell me their thoughts on it. Cause that's what it's all about. Um, it was just like a unique way to blend the two worlds and especially this unique position I'm in now covering, you know, these crossover athletes. Uh, I had, you know, unlimited rugby resources. Uh, the football side was a little bit harder, but um, some, some people put me in touch with some other people and I thought it turned out very well. So if you haven't read that yet, I will, of course, link it in the in the article that houses this podcast and put it in the description as well. You also find it on our Twitter at the NVR underscore rugby. Uh, read it. Tell me what you think. Tell me, you know, if you think that you could see the NFL move into this or just football in general. Um, and it's going to be something that I'm going to be looking, you know, looking for every time I watch a game now. Uh, and it just, I just want to see some people, like more people try it because I do think that it, it could be beneficial. Um, and all it takes is one creative person to do it a few times and do it successfully. And then everybody will will jump on, on the board. So. Uh, that's a required reading for this week. That's a little bit longer than, than usual, but uh, something I've been working on for a while. So let me know what you think. We'll then close the show out with the loop. Best way to keep up with everything we got going on at the NVR Rugby is to follow along on Twitter at the NVR underscore rugby and at Colton Strickler. I uh, don't have any other huge projects in the works. That was kind of my off-season piece I've been working on, obviously, for a while now. But like I said, at the top of the show, I'm conjuring up some ideas to have some fun with MLR this season. Uh, obviously, with that happening in a couple of weeks, need to get cranking on that. But I think it should make it make it fun. I've been reading a couple different books, and I got some ideas from those books that I want to employ. We'll see how that goes. And I will close the show by saying thank you. So for those that don't know, DNVR Rugby turned two years old on January 15th, last Saturday. Uh, I'm having a ton of fun doing the po- I'm pro- I honestly feel like I'm having more fun doing podcast and just dnvr rugby in general with all this different content and this different direction you know with all these crossover guys it's been more fun to do work now than ever before in my life and i know that it wouldn't be possible without the people that listen and read and interact and support so i'm so appreciative of all of you thank you for listening thank you for everything really like i like i said i wouldn't be able to do without the people that that support and, and it means a lot to me so thank you uh, um, I'm excited to keep up all this momentum that we've got rolling into 2022. It's going to be a good year. Just know it. So thank you again, bottom of my heart. Uh, happy birthday, DNVR Rugby. Looking forward to many, many more. So hope you all had a great week. Hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy all the matches this weekend. We'll catch you all back here next week.